Happy Monday, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of Richard Skipper Celebrates. Who or what are you celebrating today? There's so much to celebrate if you only take the time to do so. I'd like to begin by celebrating someone very special to me, and that's Patty Botino Bravo. Uh, Patty is actually sponsoring today's show. So, Patty, thank you so much for that. And Patty will be appearing this Saturday night at the Laurie Beachman Theater. So, if any of you are within the tri state area, you can help Patty out and me by going to see her perform. Uh, and if you'd like to sponsor an upcoming show, just reach out to me and I'll tell you how you can do so. Uh, I am so excited to welcome to the show today. I'm going to actually bring her on. Uh, she's actually been on the show before. Uh, we've known each other quite some time. Uh, Kimberly, uh, I interviewed backstage at St. Luke's Theater uh, several years ago, uh, mm -hmm. long before the COVID and the pandemic. Uh, she was appearing in two off-Broadway shows at the same time. Uh, and I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, she is the only actor, actress, artist to have that distinction. Uh, she is the only person who has the right to write this book called <laughs> Business and uh, Marketing Strategies for the Proactive uh, Performer. I am so thrilled that you're here today. You are probably one of the busiest people I know in this business. How did you find the time to write this book? <laughs> I was blessed with the pandemic. <laughs> and so were we. <laughs> How many people have said to me, so many books have come out of the pandemic, and this is a great one. So thank you for taking the time to write this. Well, thank you. And thanks for reading it and for having me. I'm like always excited to talk to you. I, I, yeah, we've known each other for years and years and years. I've been interviewed by you. You've interviewed me. Uh, and, and I think that you and I have the same mindset about how important it is to really take the reins and to really be in control of our careers, our destiny, and what happens within us. And I love the fact that you really map this out in this. Uh, for those who don't know, and those who have missed the previous episode, which by the way is available on demand, uh, give everyone a Reader's Digest uh, accounting of your career up to where we are right now. Woo, Reader's Digest. Okay, so I have been in New York performing as a professional performer in the theater community in film and TV since 2000. So that's 20 something odd years now, I think going into 24 years ish. I also work in the LA market because I'm from California. I went to University of California, Irvine, born and raised, um, Southern California girl. And I work in New England now as well as a local hire um, due to other circumstances that I can be privy, that I can take advantage of. And um, uh, yes, my my big accolade is being the first and only actress to play leading roles in two off-roading musicals at the same time. I don't think there's been anyone else since I did that. But um, I was basically doing Danny and Sylvia, the Danny K musical off-Broadway, which was a two-hander, and that ran for three years. And then subsequently, during that time, I opened a solo show 
called One Night with Fanny Bryce um, that lasted, I think it lasted a little under a year or so. And of course, I workshopped that show for about a year prior to that as well. Um, and then from people seeing me in that show, they started asking me for my own show as Fanny Bryce. And I created my own show called Fabulous Fanny, the Songs and Stories of Fanny Bryce, which now subsequently since 2014 has traveled the country during the pandemic, it streamed online. Um, and then I've just kind of become known for playing Fanny Bryce. I've been in other people's shows as Fanny. I was in, uh, for those of you familiar with New York, I was um, in Speakeasy Dollhouse, Ziegfeld Midnight Frolics, which was immerse, an immersion show at the Liberty Theater, which is a Broadway house on 42nd Street. Um, I've been in another show workshopping to come to Broadway. And actually in the pandemic, I did several more shows in other people's shows as Fanny Bryce um so i have a couple of albums so anyway the fanny bryce thing is is alive and well and kicking and i love her dearly and i love being associated with her and carrying on her legacy and i definitely bring to the table a more real life version of her versus the funny girl version um and then uh from that People were like, how are you doing this? And plus I was working backstage on Broadway as a Broadway wardrobe dresser swing. I was literally doing the two shows off Broadway and dressing Billy Elliot on Broadway at the same time and running back and forth. And I don't know how I did that, but I did do that. And um, so I did that as well. And people were like, how are you doing the onstage, the backstage? How are people getting to know you as this gal who plays brassy, sassy Jewish broads, because that's kind of how I was advertising myself and what I was doing. And I was getting more auditions from it. And then I started coaching actors who wanted to sort of create their own niche. I coached backstage artists who wanted to work on Broadway. And then a whole coaching thing was born. I started teaching classes. I started collaborating with others. And, and then voila, the pandemic happened. And of course I'd been doing all these things for years. Um, and people were like, are you crazy? And I was like, well, it's good to have as many hands in, in, in as many pots as possible because you gotta make a living. Um, that's how you do it as an artist. And so then during the pandemic, people started realizing that and that kind of became an essential thing to more, more artists now. And then I wrote a book about everything that I've been basically teaching performers. And I, I want to be, I want people to not be throwing spaghetti at the wall. And I want people to be taking onus of what they bring uniquely to the table um, so that they can stand out. I feel like blending in is just like not where it's at. Um, owning who you are is extremely important um, in creating a lifetime as an artist. And I don't feel like people teach this kind of stuff, especially from a business and marketing end. The book is Business and Marketing Strategy for the Proactive Performer. Um, but I wanted to like kind of give that give that away because again, you don't learn that in school. You learn that by like trial and error. And what I was doing was working and it was working for so many other people that I I put it in a book. And then the book came out after the pandemic, because I actually had time to write a book during the pandemic, which is crazy talk. And um, it's just kind of been an amazing journey so far with the book. And um, here we are. I, think, we I don't are. know how it's readers. Well, I just, there there anyway. are so many things to, to break down here. And uh, there are so many questions that I have for you uh, based on not only the steps that you give us, but you also give us background.
uh, on how you got to those steps. Yeah. Which I love. Uh, and, uh, and names that, you, you know, that are dropped in the book, uh, names of people that I know. So it's always fun to see them, uh, like Carl McCaslin, who's the pops out. I mean, yes. I love, love Stephen. a name. I would go, yes, I love that person. Uh, Naomi Colstein. Yes. Yay. Yes. So, uh, people that I know, so that's always fun. Um, but, uh, there's, uh, I want to say that because we only have an hour here and I want to be respectful of your time and Kimberly's time. If you have questions or that you would like to ask, now's the time to ask those questions. So put the questions in the comments section and we will try to get the, those questions in the show as well. One of the things that you talked about, and I want to go about this because you talked about all the things that came about uh, as Fanny. And in the book, you talk about planting seeds, which I am very, very much a proponent of. You talked about the seeds that got planted um, and the trajectory of how Fanny came to be. You were doing stock uh, and the seed was planted that they may be doing Funny Girl the following year. Uh, and you did everything in your power uh, to know that show and to prep for it. And that planted seeds in many different directions. It sure right? did. Yes, it, it planted seeds in many directions that I had was not privy to because not only did I drive my teachers crazy learning Fanny and Funny Girl for literally a year in every class I went to, I was doing Funny Girl. So you can imagine being a teacher and be like, here we go again. But I digress. Um, but funny enough, I didn't actually get that job. So I studied something for a year. And when I do things, I put my entire soul into it. So it definitely, you know, crushed me. But funny enough, that led to so many other things, including Fanny coming right back around to me. Um, because I used, obviously, what I learned about her. I put that into another character. I was I booked via being proactive and pitching for the project, which that story is also in my book, how I did that, ending up in Kid from Brooklyn, another musical about Danny Kay's life, which led me to Danny and Sylvia off-Broadway, and that's a whole other story, uh, how that happened. And then the writer of One Night with Fanny Bryce saw me and Danny and Sylvia. And funny enough, my interpretation of Sylvia Fine is very, it's not Fanny, but it, it is a, it's another version of, of something, someone similar. And uh, that's that I ended up opening Fanny. And if I would not have done that, uh, I mean, who knows, really, who knows what, what would be, um, so it is kind of a very funny trajectory. And yeah, I try to do that in the book because we we need to know that we can put all these things in place. We don't know where they're going to lead, but I feel like where, where, you know, you plant the seeds, they grow, attention goes, things flow. You know, sometimes the universe has a bigger plan. And I mean, I'm very structured in actually saying things in the book. I'm not relying on the woo-woo, but like, there is funny things where you put things in motion and things kind of happen, even though they aren't necessarily the way you anticipated. I'm going to ask you a woo-woo question, okay? Do you believe in manifestation? I do. Or do you believe that a lot of the things that are happening, I mean, obviously you're very proactive in everything that you do, but you there are also certain people that you've met along the way. There's a story that you told in the book uh, that I want to talk about because I had a similar thing happen um, to me, and I want to... <laughs> 
give both sides of the story. <laughs> yes. Um, I but, think I know where this is going. I'm going. Where I'm gonna, where I'm coming from from this. But do you believe that uh, that you've manifested all of this, or do you think it has a lot to do with the people, places, and events that have happened along the way as well? I think it's kind of a conglomeration of the two. Because I do believe there is some, this, this is so, so funny, but I do definitely believe there's something else happening because in my career as Fanny, there has been so many times that the rug has been pulled out from under me and yet she keeps coming back. So I, in that way, and in the ways that those things have happened, there obviously is something bigger going on. But then also I'm supported by the things I've done, the, the, the things I put into place, which nobody else has probably done, my lived experience, um, the way I go about pushing or pitching for certain things. I think the people that I align with, like you would know this as well, like similar mentalities of like creating or in the way that you collaborate with others. I'm very much a huge collaborator. I love to collaborate. Um, so I think that also has to do with who you're aligning with as well. I think it has to do with being, you know, many moons later, 10, 15 years later now, um, you know, the maturity level of who you're attracted to as a people or not lessons learned because this business can be schmucky too. And there's something you can really do about it. Well, so. I want to talk about that aspect of it as well, because you, first of all, and I've seen you as Fanny, you are so, and I'm not just saying this because you're on the show today, but you are brilliant as Fanny. Thank you. Uh, and uh, has that hurt you at all in other aspects of uh, agents or casting directors or people being close-minded to the fact uh, did they? You are so good in that role that it's difficult for them to see you in other roles. And how do you get past that? I know you've got a whole chapter in your book about rejection, which I love, and frustration, um, you know, as well. Uh, have you dealt with that at all in the business? And how have you gotten past that? I mean, I think I have. I, I, I've dealt with that definitely because before I started playing Fanny, I was kind of like the ingenue girl, the the nice, pretty ingenue soprano girl in some way shape or form and then obviously I did Fanny and that kind of changed the trajectory of the brassy woman which actually feels more like who I am anyway as like a human being um so then being playing Fanny got got me other things just so wonderful right um and then people yes they know me as that that's what they call me in the room for but I will say it's it has shifted again because the people who know me, then when I do something else, it kind of reminds them of, oh, she can do these other things. I also am a firm believer, too, and I tell my clients this, that when you do something and you do it well and people then hire you to do the thing that you do well, then they automatically think, oh, well, if you can do this, you can probably do this. And I will say I give people more credit than sometimes I give myself because sometimes I get auditions where I'm like, mm, I don't know, are we sure this is the right thing? You know, but then I'm like, well, oh, I didn't know I could do that. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I think I might even get in my own way in, in 
being very planted in what I do as a performer. So even me, I'm continuing always to expand my mind, rereading my own book and my own playbook of what I think to remind myself, you know, this, you can go beyond this, even just in the past year or two, as I've grown, I think, into another category, age category, I'm, I'm revisiting that as well. One of the things that you really uh, stress in the book, which is very important, anyone would know this, but it's great to restress it, is uh, to be very prepared. And the story that you tell in the book uh, was going into an audition and uh, that you were, uh, you know, and you can give me the right wording if I'm wrong on this. Uh, You were so overly excited that you were like uh, not, in tune with the music. Though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and they were showing you and that you yeah. casting director or someone there, you know, refused to see you for other projects because of that one audition on that. I had another situation on the other flip side of this years ago where those of you who know me know that I performed for 20 years as Carol Channing. And because I performed for 20 years as Carol Channing, a cast, uh, a, um, agent uh, submitted me for a show um, and uh, because they were using drag performers in the show. And I said to her, please do not send me to a dance audition. And because I'm not a dancer, I am not a dancer. I'm not a dancer. I was told over and over and over again that I would not be put through the paces of dancing. They just wanted to see me walk in heels. And I walked into this audition for Bernie Kelsey and it was a major dance call. And I was so furious that I, first of all, I'm a different person than I was then, uh, that uh, I, and now I, I, I would go up to the casting directors and say, I don't belong here. And I would leave because yeah. I'm wasting their time. I'm wasting everyone's time. I know I didn't belong there. But, and then I called the casting director, uh, I mean, the agent, and I said, um, I respect your job, but you have to respect mine too. You, I, you have to respect what I'm good at and what I'm not good at. Um, so uh, since your book has come out, do you feel that that's going to make a difference or have you had a chance since writing those words to have a second chance with that person? Um, well, the answer is no, but it's also a job that I think at this time in my life, I probably wouldn't take at this moment anyway. So that's kind of beside the point. But I also, it, it's so funny because I remember that day like it was yesterday and the casting director was so wanting me to get that job. So, 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 so wanted me. And, and he, I can't really do anything about the artistic director's opinion of me and honestly this sounds terrible but like do I I don't want to work with somebody who's gonna like already be in the in the negative about me and my talent anyway so I mean like it's fine you know you have um you have those moments I still have a lot of those moments I had an audition you know a couple months ago for self-tape for something I would love to do, but unfortunately that particular role was required to 
be a diva dancer in this show. And uh, it's usually not the case, but that was the case for this track. And, and I did it. I did do it. And I'm not, you know, it wasn't great. But, you know, I, I basically, who the casting director, who I love dearly, was like, I'm leaving it in your hands of whether or not you think this is going to pass. But you know what I mean? I've, I've, like you, walked out of several calls where I didn't want to waste their time dancing because I was, it was not going to be the right fit. Um, but I, I mean, unfortunately, you know, casting editors sometimes don't even know what's going to happen in the audition room because somebody's interpretation of this may not actually be what it actually means when you get in the room. So you kind of, well, you know, I always remind everyone that the graduate, uh, the original casting choices were Robert Redford and Doris Day. And, and Dustin Hoffman and Anne Bancroft are as far from that as you can possibly get. Uh, so the fact that they were able to convince them to go in another direction. Um, Alan uh, has a, a comment and a, uh, here, and I've got, uh, and I want to talk about this chapter. Uh, okay. He is amazing. Everyone has a unique blend of metabolism, constitution, and health lifestyle choices. How do you maintain yourself? And what are your favorite, if any, downtime go-to habits? Oh. Let's talk about your downtown, uh, your uh, downtime habits. And then let's talk about your chapter five things a day, which I love that chapter. Okay. Well, what do I do in my downtime and how do I maintain? It's kind of both because I'm a workaholic and I actually have to force myself to stop because I will just keep going until I like burn out, unfortunately. And this is a lesson I continue to learn over my entire life. Um, but I go to the gym every day because just not for the weight loss aspect of it, but for the endorphins and for being able to have a good night's sleep. I literally that. So I go to the gym and ride the bike because I really need that. And I really, and this is going to sound really lame, but I just enjoy peace and quiet in my house <laughs> and like laying on my couch and watching a movie because it feels so luxurious to me uh, when I get to do that because I don't always get to do that. Um, yeah, so I think I think those are a couple of things that I do to just maintain my sanity. I have a lot of wonderful, supportive friends and family who deal with a lot of my texts of like, oh my gosh, I'm so frustrated <laughs> or whatever it is, <laughs> whatever it is. Cause let's face it, as I talk about in the book, that is just existing and it's just part of mm -hmm. our life and we have uh, to deal and, with and it. I would say that that is very, very important. I have a support system. Uh, I have several people that I call and then my friend Leanne Borghese, if she happens to be watching this, if she sees me post something where of my frustration or something, she will call me and she'll say, Richard, this is your welfare check. <laughs> always check on your welfare. And I, and every time I get, I see her on the caller ID and I go, she's calling with my welfare check just to make sure that everything's going fine. Because it, this is, and you've got a chapter on this as well, frustration, which we're going to get to in just a moment. Let's talk about the five things a day that you talk about the book. Okay. Basically it's just an idea of, of taking small tasks in order to make bigger things happen. So again, that's just the idea of being what a, what a proactive performer is. And that's and actually that idea is kind of what started the whole thing because people were like, how are you doing everything? And I'm like, well, I'm just taking little actions every day and they start to add up really quickly. Um, and, you know, it's like the power of compound interest. So whether that's like going to an audition and then sending an email and practicing for the next thing and then, I don't know, doing 
something else, finding a new song or whatever. It could be tiny things or it could be tiny things in a big thing. Cause I know when I do a big thing, it's always like the, the energy just drains right out because the scary thing is always like build up, build up. Okay. I sent the email. Oh goodness. I need to take a nap. Okay. So you know what I mean? But each, each little thing makes something happen in the long term. And I go into that in the book too, where I'm like, well, just here's some examples of like, well, this person sent the email to be considered for blah, blah show, but maybe they didn't get the audition, but the artistic director read it and they watched the video and then they passed it on to somebody else who needs somebody else. And then you get the call. And that was all because you sent the one little email. I mean, I have so many stories of like teeny actions or actions just in general um, that I've done that have created so many other ripple effects, like getting kid from Brooklyn that started my Sylvia Fine journey, the Danny Cates stuff, which then led to Fanny was literally me sending an email. That was literally, I sent an email and then a month or two later I followed up and then like I ended up with the audition and then the, the, the trickle down effect. Um, I'm actually attached to a, a, a wonderful animated movie that I can't talk about at the moment, but like, because I sent an email, I read an article in Variety and I sent an email and funny enough, the email trickle down effect got me, um, got me in this like, major project. Like how well, I, asked, I, I, mean, as soon as I saw that you were writing a book. I said, as soon as the book comes out, reach out to me and you did. Yeah, I did. Of course. Yeah, but And that's how I get a lot of it. I get, uh, major celebrities on this show by if I read it that they have a book coming out or something, I, I go on IMDb Pro, one of the greatest things in the world, and uh, and I write to their publicist and I get them on the show. And uh, it takes very little effort to do that. Um, do you get up in the each morning and you sit down and you write out what your five uh, tasks are going to be for the day? Or do you find that these tasks just unfold as the day unfolds? Well, I love, I'm a list keeper. I love lists. So basically I have a thousand lists. I'm not even kidding on my notes in my phone. I have spreadsheets. I, I keep spreadsheets and literally, so I have like this, this is, this really breaks it down to the minutia. So I, I have basically four or five areas of my performing arts life. I have my life as a coach, teacher, writer. Well, writer's now a new category, I guess. Um, and then my fanny life and my actor life, and then kind of just all my personal stuff. So I, I have lists that are like for the different areas of my life of things that I, I want to do, accomplish, need to happen. And they can be minutia or they can be big things. And then I'll just literally break them down. It's so in, in me anyway, just as a human, um, that I can just literally go to those lists and pull things and do them. Or depending on my brain power, depending on how I feel that day, if I'm tired or whatever. Uh, and then literally at night before I go to bed, I do this every night before I go to bed before I fall asleep, I literally go in my brain and I say, okay, what did I do today for blah? What did I do today for this? What did I do today for that? And usually, cause when I get in bed, I think I didn't accomplish anything, but then I get in bed and I think about it and I'm like, oh, I did a lot more than I thought I did today. Mm -hmm. And that's because I am the person who thinks I never do enough. So I, I have to actually remind myself that things are actually getting done.
Yeah, that's, that's, that's how that, my crazy brain that, works. That's amazing. You know, going back to the seeds that are planted, um, all of this really started as a seed because of a group that you were part of that you used to get together and you used to bounce ideas off of each other. Um, why do you think that it was you, uh, unless there are others that I'm not aware of, that really took this uh, and ran with it and really made this into a career beyond your performing career? Uh, you've become uh, the go-to person uh, that so many people will reach out to for advice and career coaching. And second part of this question is, what makes a great career coach or a bad career coach? Hmm. Good questions. Um, answering the first part of the thing is because I have always instinctually lived my life as a performing artist to answering needs of others. So I would not ask me 10 years ago, had, would I be doing this? This would I would not necessarily have said this because people were literally asking me for help. And I was like, okay, well, let me show you. Oh, let me help you. Let me show you. Let me help you. Let me show you. And um, then it was basically like these people going, um, you should really charge people for this. Like, this is actually like a thing. Like I'm, I'm, this is, this is creating other opportunities for us. So I think I was just answering a need. And then I realized that as far as being a coach specifically, I love it because not only am I helping somebody else, but it's also inspiring me and helping me to keep going too as a performer because it's keeping me just as accountable in what I'm doing. Because I, I am and now leading into the next situation of like what makes a good coach versus somebody who does it. Now, I can only speak from my own opinion and experience. There might be plenty of other wonderful people out there that are not going to adhere to my my opinion or experience. I'm just going to put that out there. Um, but I, I tend to feel like what I have found works best for me is I want to be working with people who are in it with me because those are the people who are usually in the people in the weeds are the people who really truly understand the dynamics of what's happening right now in the world of what we're trying to do, because that's constantly shifting. So if you're not in the weeds, then you're not necessarily in with the, the shifting change of how things are going. I also am a believer in like people working with people who is maybe even just a step or two ahead of them. Not like, you know what I mean? Like, um, because they just went through what you, you want to now go through. Again, speaking from experience, I think that always makes a good coach. I also feel like too, in having mentors that are, are a, maybe of a similar ilk to what you do, I find is helpful. I have a lovely couple of mentors that I work with or, or talk to um, throughout, you know, my, my life. And I feel like that's helpful as well. Um, so I kind of think that's, that's it. And then also finding somebody who's like, not going to tear you down to bring you back up because there's no reason for that. Mm -hmm. And I also want people based in reality, but I do want people who are based in reality. I have people who work with me always love it because I, I am very like, tell it like it is, but not in the, like, you can't do this way. And like, here's, here's the world that we live in. Here's what you're trying to do. Here's the reality, but now here's what you can do to, to, to mitigate that. 
because if you don't know the reality, you're working from some other like plane of like not not it, it, it you can tell it, it, it's something that just comes out like you can tell it's not going to help you in any way like you need to be very realistic I think in in the world that we live in like a realistic optimist you know what I mean like not pessimist optimist like you know what I mean because the pessimist walks into a room and you know that's that's not good in, in any way shape or form you know what well, I mean? let's talk about the reality of where we are right now I mean even though we have come through the pandemic uh it's rearing its ugly head again uh it's making its way through the Broadway community a lot of uh, theaters and companies are being affected by this. Uh, the uh, economics of the world right now uh, are, uh, I'm seeing, and again, I'm not being a Debbie Downer here, uh, but this is the reality of where we are right now. Uh, a lot of, uh, I'm reading that a lot of uh, theater companies around the country are cutting back on their seasons. And on top of everything else, uh, we have the writer's strike and we have the Screen Actors Guild and after strikes. Yeah. Um, how are you navigating these waters, um, you know, to go to your chapter called Frustration? <laughs> You're very good at the transitions. Okay. Um, you know, I'm not going to lie because I say this in my chapter too, is it's just the reality of, of the deal that we the world that we live in is we're going to be frustrated. So it's more so about accepting it. And I think it's easier to accept it now, especially because it affects everybody. It's not a me problem. It's an everybody problem. So it's kind of like, we're all in this together, but I will say there is an advantage I have and other people have who have taken the time or the impetus or had been asked, because I think I was asked years ago and it's just being now, I'm being able to reap the words of that, which is like creating your own work. Because I, while the TV and film auditions have kind of dropped away, albeit they are slowly, they are slowly starting to come back with the interim agreements, which is great. But, um, this is now the time to do other things which could help propel your career again later on. So is it the time to create your own work? Is it the time to get back to class? Because I know I've put my butt back in class. I, you know what I mean? Like, is it the time to figure out what maybe is working and what's not working? Is it the time that the solo show goes up somewhere where people can see you because now people have time on their hands? You know what I mean? Like, that's how my brain thinks frustration. You said in your book that it, it was like a, a neon sign going off. Uh, and every artist should pay attention to this. Um, and you say, uh, prepare for the roles that you want to uh, play now so that when those auditions come along, you are way ahead of the game. Yep, absolutely. And I, I actually took like a whole year and I did that. This was like maybe a year before the pandemic. I did that. I learned a bunch of roles. I put them all on video. And I will say, I ended up getting, see, getting seen for those productions because I was doing that. And now I'm still getting seed for those productions. So the payoff has been great. Um, yeah, I think it's very much being aware of what's happening and what you're realistically able to be cast in, like without without a lot of effort and, and learning that stuff now, or maybe, you know, effort because you're going to learn the parts. But uh, being the time, when you get these auditions, there's no time. 
to learn a 30 page packet. I mean, are we crazy? Do you know what I mean? Like, it's one thing if you're getting a new show, um, like I got a, a, to final callbacks for a show that was going to come to Broadway and workshopped out of the city. And it was like three major songs, three major scenes. And keep in mind, no one had any access to any of this stuff ever. So yes, I'm going to have to spend a lot of time learning and taping this material, which is why you should be learning the other stuff. Because when those auditions come, because when it rains, it pours, it's quiet, quiet, quiet. And then everything comes and then it's quiet, quiet, quiet again. So like, learn all that stuff now while you can keep yourself busy enjoy it be creative that's just a whole nother outlet of like being like oh i could do this now great let me go learn all this stuff and then funny enough where you know focus goes things come to you like the it all starts flowing to you it's very surprising how when you put energy into things again like universe well you talk, back about, to you. you talk about your friend in the book and correct me uh, is her emily your friend emily in the book uh, was it Emily? Am I right or wrong? Who uh, got the web TV series? Oh, that was Dylan. Uh, Dylan, Dylan, Dylan. Dylan, uh, yes. shout out to Dylan. Yes, uh, but uh, I was, you know, I, I, I go, the, the rabbit hole that I go down through, through binge watching is I YouTube and I was watching all of these interviews on Randy Rainbow and Randy Rainbow wasn't getting any work. Yeah. created this phenomenal career that he now yeah. has. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And his, he may be going to Broadway with a one man show now. Yeah, exactly. Cause you never know. Yeah. Dylan's a, is a, I met in acting class and then she became a student of, uh, of mine coaching and she, because she needed to create something in order to get an agent, she created the scene. The scene went great. People watched it. They loved it. She created a whole web series out of it. The web series ended up going to all these festivals, winning all these awards. She, it, like, it, it's crazy. You know what I mean? Like, it's on a little, it's on a channel now. Um, so yeah, you just, you never know. Um, helping yeah. to just create something. It, it, it may work. It may, may be the thing that actually has uh, so many other things you know, now, I want to tell everyone to be proactive by buying your book, <laughs> and they can buy your book uh, either at Amazon or they can get it at the Drama Bookshop. Or the, I always like to tell people call your favorite uh, bookstore and ask them if they have it. And if they don't have it, ask them to get it. Uh, that way, you help out small mom and pop stores as well. Uh, and I really am a big proponent for that. Um, the book that we now hold in our hands, which I love. Um, is this the book that you set out to write or did it take on a life of its own? It is mostly the book I set out to write. I didn't set out to write something that had a bunch more personal stories in it. And I was encouraged to add those in after the first write, uh, first write up because I wanted to, I love to give tools, like actionable tools. Sometimes I'm like, my stories don't really count, whatever. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to talk about me. Let's really make it about you and how we can make things happen. But um, so it, it, in being able to add in the personal stories of why the things I talk about are important, I think is really kind of what changed the game a bit. And also too, just because I'm coming at it from a journeyman's actor standpoint of like I'm in the weeds and if you read my book you know there are many things that did not turn out great uh, and yet here we are so <laughs> um what's the yeah. you the most about yourself uh from writing this book 
as a performer as a, uh, as a writer as a performer as a person i am i'm flabbergasted that i that this book now exists um, I mean, I think I wanted to write a book when I was really young. I remember like when I was like nine or 10, because I was already totally into learning how to be an actor. Um, and I was writing something that said how to get headshots and how to get resumes. So I was already doing that. Um, but I'm actually surprised that I did it. And now I'm actually writing like one for backstage artists and creatives, which is crazy talk to me. But um yeah. And, and yeah, I think that's, that's the big thing. And I think too, I have to remind myself of how far I've come. So that's kind of an interesting parallel with the book, because I, I think sometimes too, we teach what we, that is true. We need to teach. Sometimes we teach what we also just need to hear at times or be reminded of. And um, like, I think sometimes too, I have to get out of my own way. So it's kind of good to have that to kind of remind myself of like, you know, Kim, you already know how to do this. Remind yourself kind of thing, which is continuing how I continue to thrive as a performer is I, I have to take a step back and be like, oh, that didn't work. Oh, right. It didn't work because blah, let's try this again. We know, and you know, we can always second guess things, but do you think this book would have happened if the pandemic did not happen? Uh, probably not. Probably not. I, I really do credit that for having the time to do it because a lot of my life is spent juggling so many pots. Mm-hmm. Um, was, not- it, was it an easy book to sell? I, there are a lot of books out there about you know, the business end of the business. Um, but again, I love your take on this and how uh, it's your journey as well. It's how you've managed to make things happen. Um, I love the term that you just used, which is one of my favorite journeyman actor you know it's very interesting when uh it was first announced that the strike was uh eminent uh i posted i belong to a local community uh bulletin board group and when i posted about the strike someone actually said who the f cares and i said you may not be aware of how many actors are in our community that are going to be out of work uh craft services yeah, uh, it's not just actors, it's so it's, many other people. It's a domino's effect. Yeah. Uh, and how this is going to affect businesses. Um, I live in Rockton County, and where I live, a lot of films prior to the strike uh, were constantly filming here. We would get notices, you know, once or twice a week, you know, make sure our car was not on the street because they were going to be uh, filming in front of our house. Uh, Saturday Night Live uh, films a lot at the church. Uh, a lot of times, if you see those little films inside a church, that's out my church. Oh. So uh, there's a lot that goes on here. So it really does affect the economy. It affects so many things. And I'm hoping that they're going to get back on uh, track very, very soon. I support them. Because yeah, oh, me too. Me too, completely. What, what we are all fighting for is just for the equality. But so many people don't realize what a journeyman actor is and the struggles for journeyman actors. And so many people, I have been very, very fortunate in my life uh, to befriend and to have people that are major names in show business become friends of mine. And you'd be amazed to know that they don't get paid when their movies and their television shows and their television appearances 
or general television because of bad contract decisions that were made years ago by agents, managers, business decisions that were made that cut them completely out of the economic decisions. And producers are still making money off of these shows. So we've got to hold on to this. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I definitely agree. So you you are currently working on a new book. I don't think you can talk about that right now. Well, the new book is just going to be for backstage and creatives. Back, well, it might be two separate, but at this point, just because I can come at it from, I come at it from that standpoint too, as a coach and oh. as a as a person who works backstage as well. So I want to be able to give that intel. I want to have a little fun with you, if you don't mind. Uh, okay. One of the things that um, I, you know, I'm one of my favorite books, and I've talked about this before, is Julia Cameron's The Artist Way. Mm -hmm. uh, and I do my morning pages every morning. And in addition to my morning pages, what I've started doing is I choose uh, a couple of books, and your book will be added to this list, uh -huh. um, that are, and I take the business end of the business and uh, spirituality and creativity. And I tie it all together in a nice little bow. Uh, and um, so I've got three mystery questions that I've laid out. I'm going to okay. try to into your book. Um, so uh, pull a number one through three and let's see if I can do this. Okay. Number two. And let's see. Um, oh, uh, in your career, what is the worst experience that you've had to get through without naming names or situation that will give it away and what got you through it and that will take us uh to you also have a book called mindset uh, a chapter called mindset oh wow okay <laughs> yeah, this is like the end all be all question i talk about this in the book so i guess it's a free for all now um so i I was doing a, uh, I was workshopping a lovely show called One Night with Fanny Bryce, which opened off Broadway. But I um, was found, I, I found out while I went on vacation a week before it was supposed to start rehearsal for off Broadway. And I was going to be doing the show. And uh, when I was on vacation in the middle of the ocean on a Disney cruise where, you know, happiest place on earth. I found out because I went on the computer and looked at Playbill that somebody else had been announced to star in the show. <laughs> yeah, that happened. Now, it all ended up working out because I did end up opening the show off Broadway. And honestly, it that working out didn't really have, I think, a lot to do with me. But regardless, I did end up the work I had put in, I did get to end up opening that show off Broadway. And here we are. What get you through that before? I mean, eventually. Um, but I mean, oh God, you're on vacation. You get this bad news. Um, you and I have shared war stories. Yes, we have <laughs> in the past, and I don't want to go into my own because this is about you today. But uh, you know, just getting through it and again thank you to all of our friends out there who put up with us when we're going through these times uh so what got you through it i had a wonderful friend who's still my friend who was on the cruise with me who who talked me off a ledge at several times and um i had a i had a wonderful agent manager um naomi colstein who oh, only just naomi. she only just retired but i love her dearly and she might watch this so um shout out to her who 
made some several phone calls after that happened. And um, yeah, it was, yeah, that was pretty devastating. But again, we're, we ended up doing the show and so many other wonderful things have come from that opportunity. So um, great. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that was just part of what needed to happen for whatever reason. What scares you, if anything, in today's current climate and the, in today's business? Oh God. Um, I'm not going to lie that it is troublesome that there are so many theaters and things closing. Not going to lie. Um, but it, it, yeah, it, it is troublesome for those of us that are in the theater world. But again, most of us are in it for the long haul. So hopefully we can help affect change in some way, shape or form in which it will be revitalized in some way. And and better than it was, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. Um, yeah, I mean, I I get scared for the younger kids who have just arrived because I I've been in several like chorus calls and things with being surrounded by them and just going, oh goodness, <laughs> they have it so much harder than I think I did yes. at that point. I agree with you because there's now so many fewer jobs and it's just there's and like more is thousands of them now. More like, is required of them. Yeah, yeah, more is required of them. That I mean, there was plenty required of us, but like it was just now it's such a thing to be a musical theater performer. 23 4 5 years ago there were no BFA programs there there people were not talking about musical theater like it was like it was just it was a much smaller How many thing you have on Instagram yeah that too yes. yeah there is that too i think that's i i don't yeah i think that's a small part of it i don't think yeah. that's a huge part of it it's a small part of it um but yeah so it's it's interesting. It's just a different climate. But again, why I wrote that. That's right. That's right. Um, describe your book in 10 words or less. To the point, actionable. That's three words. To the point, fine, three words. Actionable, inspirational, realistic. Um, personable, um, me, <laughs> um, oh, I don't know. Um, I don't know what else, like. Proactive guide. I've got that. Proactive guide. Great. 10. Okay, good. Okay. What is one, uh, now we talked earlier about the five habits. What is one habit that you have, uh, formed that has a significant impact on your career that is a habit that you carry through with every single day of your career oh well i'm always doing the five things regardless mm -hmm. always every day nonstop. and also i always make sure i do i try if i i try to do like a scary thing every day like something scary, like sending the scary email to the big project that I never thought this could be a possibility or asking for help when I need it from somebody who's maybe a bit beyond me or 
things like that. Like I always tend to try to, despite the fact they're scary, make the scary ask or do the scary thing, that next thing, that like bigger thing. That's great. Um, what one task did you take this week to elevate your career? Oh goodness. Um, what have I done this week to elevate my career? Well, I did a really amazing self-tape the other day that I think was kind of like the end all be all of self-tapes. I just have to say that for something I would love to do. Um, I mean, I've been pitching my book a lot, which is scary for me um, to, you know, for bigger platforms or asking people who read it to write things, which is again, scary because I don't, this is not an ego thing. You know what I mean? It's just to help other people get the book. I will, uh, I will say this, Kimberly. I just did a branding workshop online this week. And the very first thing they said is to put it out there to ask for reviews, ask for those testimonials. So everybody who is reading, uh, order this book, read it and write a review. Yes, I'm, please. On I'm, Amazon. On Amazon, please. I'm going to write a review when this is over. I promise you. That's what I'm Please, doing. please. Yeah, because it's it's really more so those things are not, they're not helping me, really. They're helping other people find it because right. it's all algorithm based. I know. I know. I know. It's all algorithm. But anyway, that kind of stuff is scary because you don't want to feel like you're bugging people. And then... Um, I don't know, like, you know, I've been prepping for auditions and things this week that I have going on. Um, I, you know, I, I, I like to call, I sometimes scheme and plan. I call them shenanigans, like, but my, my agents and managers do them with me. It's so fun. Like, I'm like, okay, I just read on Playbill, blah, 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 blah is happening. And I am right for this role. Okay. Let's see the shenanigans we can pull off. Okay. I know this person on the creative team, I'm going to email them. And then you're going to see the breakdown hopefully and submit me. Do you know anybody on this thing? And we're going to go ask them. <laughs> Yeah, like just last week that that happened with an article I read on Playboy. It's like, oh my gosh, this is happening. How can I how can I get in? And I posted on Facebook to see if I knew anybody that knew the creative team. And funny enough, person who I'm extremely close to did, and they so generously passed along my my stuff. I love it. So like that's the kind of stuff that I try to make more effort to. But when I do those kinds of things, it it does take like. It's so I had I have a few people I do it who who I who also does do these kind of things that we support each other through them because the second you do them, it's exhausting and you're like, oh my god, it's true. You're like, I just did the big scary thing. I gotta go take a nap or I gotta go get a bubble tea. I gotta go do something else because I just gotta be like close. I sometimes when I ask send a scary email, I'll like put it in Gmail and set it for like three days from now so that I won't even know that it's going out. It'll just kind of go into the world and I'll forget about it. Sometimes that's a good little trick. That's wonderful. Um, who are you really? Who am I really? Oh my God. Besides being a brassy, sassy Jewish broad, that's my branding, <laughs> which I teach how to do that in my book. Um, I don't know. I just feel like I'm such like an everyday gal. I don't know. I feel like I'm, I just, I'm extremely passionate. I love doing what I do. I love helping others to do what they want to do. 
um, literally lights me up. Like it's so awesome. And um, I don't know it, there isn't anything else I'd rather be doing. That's great. I don't know. Uh, when it comes to mentors, what do you feel is the greatest lesson that you've been taught by a mentor and flipping that coin what do you feel is the greatest lesson that you've given to another artist as a mentor yourself? You know, so much of my work with my mentors and coaches is getting out of my own way because it's just basically that I, I talk about that in the fact of like getting in your head and like talking yourself out of things or like overthinking something that might actually be very easy for you or getting the audition where you're like, I'm never going to book that. And then, but yet it's the perfect thing. So why wouldn't you think you're going to book that? Um, so I think that's one thing that people I work with have are always like helping me reminding myself that, that those, those, that just to like step out of my own way, which is a constant reminder. And I think the big thing I give to clients is allowing them to basically remember, this is my big thing. There are no rules in this business. Literally, there's no rules. There are preferences. There are proven ways of doing things. There are, there are things in place to make things easier for certain people or not, like with going to an EPA or a course call or whatever. Like there are things that are set up boundaries with which we may or may not need to work in. But there are literally no rules, which means like encouraging them to potentially think outside the box when there's something that they want to do or the way they're advertising themselves, things like that. Kimberly, I am so proud of you. I am so proud. I have watched the trajectory of your career since that first time that we sat down backstage at St. Luke's. St. Luke's is no longer there. I know. I'm so now. sad. That, that, despite my story in the other time, everybody at St. Luke's was so good, good to me. Luke's they were so good there. to me. But you and I are. Wait, I'm sorry. Say that again. <laughs> St. Luke's is no longer there, but you and I are. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, tenacity. Uh, I am going to give my final comments, uh, and then I'm going to turn it over to you and give you the final word. It can be about anything that we spoke about today that uh, you want to build upon, anything that we didn't talk about that you wish we had, or just any final message that you want to leave everyone with today. Uh, it's your platform to say whatever you want. Um, I want to thank everyone for being here today. Um, these are my ask. Uh, if this is your first time at Richard Skipper Celebrates, I hope it will not be your last. Uh, please consider subscribing. There's no cost to this. I also have a newsletter that comes out every Monday and it gives, it's like a TV guide. It's called the Skipper's Guide. And it's like a TV guide of all the shows that are coming up uh, during the week. I am very excited about tomorrow's show. Um, let me pull the book up here. I've got so many books here. Um, Broadway Decoded. Uh, and have you seen this book? Uh, -uh. Uh, if you know Broadway shows, you know I had a great mentor. I'm going to uh, digress for just a moment. I had a great uh, mentor, Florence Epps. And when we were having a lesson, if a name came up, for example, uh, like I'm going to throw this. Uh, I just opening this up and uh, reading from Mame Algonquin. Some people don't know what the Algonquin. Right, right. That makes um, sense. If 
the word Algonquin came up and Miss Epps would say, okay, Ricky, as she called me in South Carolina, tell me about the Algonquin. What is the Algonquin known for? And if I didn't know, she would close the book and she would say, when you come back next week, know about the Algonquin. Hmm. And so uh, she instilled in me that it was important to know what these words are. Years ago, I went to see a show at Don't Tell Mama and uh, believe it or not, uh, the uh, singer was singing, I'm the greatest star. And she, the lyric was, uh, I'm a natural Camille. And she said, whoever that is. Oh. And I went, up to her, oh, geez. <laughs> I went up to her after the show. And I said, if you don't know who you're singing about, you truly don't know what you're singing about. You really need, I, I'm not saying this to chastise you, but to say it's very important that you know what you're singing about. Because I can guarantee you that most of the people in the audience know who Camille is. Right. Um, and so this book takes all of these words and phrases from Broadway musicals and really deciphers them so that you know who they are. So tune in tomorrow at three o'clock as we decode Broadway. So I'm excited about that. Um, please, if you get a chance, I mentioned this at the beginning of the show um, and uh, Patty Botino Bravo uh, is going to be uh, at the Laurie Beachman. Oh no, that's the wrong one. I hit the wrong button. Uh, I've got so many things going on right now. Uh, but Barbara Minkus' show was wonderful last week as well. Uh, Patty Bottino Bravo is going to be at the Laurie Beachman uh, on Saturday night. Please, please, please go see the show if you can. And if you're interested in sponsoring uh, an episode of Richard Skipper Celebrates, please reach out to me. I end every show by telling everyone to go out and uh, do something nice for somebody else without expecting anything in return. This is what I'd like you to do today. I'd like you to go to your favorite bookseller and I'd like you to order two copies of this book. Keep one for yourself. And then I want you to send one to your favorite actor, regardless of whether they are established or just starting out, they are going to appreciate this book because there are proactive tools for every person in the business. So make sure that you do that. Also pick up the phone and call someone that you haven't spoken to in a while. Not an email message, not a text message, not a private inbox message, but a phone call. And let that person know that they've made a difference in your life. And by doing so, you're gonna make a difference in their life. I have a dear friend, Sean Moniger, and he says, we're all in this together, but we're in different size boats. And I always say, I don't care what size boat you're on, as long as you have a skipper by your side. And with that, I'm going to leave the screen. And Kimberly, it's all yours. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, thank you. And yes, I hope that you'll check out the book. Uh, definitely ask your favorite bookseller, but you can also get it on Amazon. And you can check more about me at thebroadwayexpert.com. The big reason I wrote this is because I this is what I would have wanted to pick up when I was just it, like in high school or graduating college to really learn like the nitty gritty part of the business. Instead, I spent years throwing spaghetti at the wall. And while there are a few books similar to this, mine are very step-by-step -step oriented. So it's not going to like be overwhelming to anybody and they can come back to it and reference it whenever they want. Um, and hopefully help everybody work smarter, not harder uh, so that they can achieve all their goals. And that really is what my mission as a coach is, um, not into secrets. So please go check it out on Amazon, ask your local bookseller, go to my website, therondaexpert.com. It was awesome talking with you all today. And thank you for having me, Richard. You're awesome. And that's all I have to say.